Hello and welcome to The Brief, brought to you by Mepra in association with Marketeers. I'm your host, Jonty Summers. This month, we're going to talk about women in leadership. In a time when 60% of PR jobs are held by women, it's still incredible that only 30% of agencies are run by women. I'm joined by Lisa Welsh, Managing Director of Hill & Knowlton Strategies, Suada Sarkal, VP of Communications at Tabreed, and Dr. Piazi Jayashri, Associate Dean and Professor of HR at the University of Wollongong in Dubai. Dr. Jaya holds a PhD in organisational behaviour and is a multiple award-winning academic scholar and practitioner with research interests involving areas of managing and measuring strategic change and innovation. Um, Dr. Jaya, perhaps I can start with you. I mean, you you have got notably you've got a you've got a lot of work that you've been doing around with the United Nations around gender parity, uh, which I know is a United Nations sustainable goal. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about that and how that fits into today. Thanks very much for having me uh, at this podcast, Jonti, and great to meet you, Lisa Welsh and Suad Al Circle. my research uh, started uh, sometime in 2015 uh, as an outcome of a, a National Research Foundation Industry Research Collaboration Grant, and uh, uh, the industry collaborators, uh, of course, uh, uh, was uh, the Dubai Business Women Council, and uh, um, in, in collaboration with UNDP, we have now been uh, doing this research for the past three to four years. Essentially, the focus was on understanding the factors impacting the emergence uh, an enactment of leadership among women in the UAE. Um, And um, uh, we were trying to identify what are the various uh, causes for uh, pipeline blocks, if there are uh, any uh, impending issues. Uh, And uh, one of our key findings, of course, has been that uh, any attempt at addressing pipeline block must take a contextually relevant approach, uh, which is also uh, holistic and multi-level. Um, uh, there is, of course, much written about uh, stereotypes and prejudice being one of the reasons why women are not really reaching the C-suite or uh, you know the exec level positions. Um, <clears throat> uh, but that is a very minimal way of looking at the entire problem. And uh, what we have identified through our research is that there are a variety of factors, uh, right from how you're socialized within your familial environments to what are the critical experiences that you get as you are growing up which includes schools, the early career experiences, the kind of mentoring that you got, uh, and and the kind of agency that women themselves demonstrated in uh, strategically trying to identify the critical opportunities uh, 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 in order to you know make use of uh, uh, whatever competencies that they have developed over a number of years. Because the UAE has a number of quite distinct characteristics. I mean, it's got a leadership that actively promotes women into leadership positions. I mean, if you look at if you look at uh, UAE ministers, I mean, uh, the UAE has more female ministers than I think we do in the UK, where I'm from. Um, you know, and, and how, how much how much of a role do you think? I mean, you've you've mentioned kind of you've mentioned the kind of up, upbringing from birth, but how much does that encouragement and kind of can do attitude, you go girl spirit, um, have an effect? Uh, you're absolutely right. In fact, uh, uh, the as per the Global Gender Gap Report in 2018, uh, UAE uh, has uh, reached parity in literacy uh, and. Uh, uh, it's ranked educational attainment, it's about 95. And with regard to political empowerment, uh, it's ranked 68. 
the number of women in uh, ministerial positions, uh, it's ranked 33rd. So therefore, uh, definitely some fantastic uh, symbolism out there with regard to the investment that the country is making uh, uh, in, in, uh, in women. And uh, this does uh, have an impact on, uh, uh, on uh, sending the right messages uh, uh, at a societal level, at a cultural level. Uh, when it comes to the investments in education, uh, we see uh, a lot of uh, uh, Emirati women are uh, 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 investing uh, the kind of time and energy that's required to move into tertiary education, uh, which really is about capacity building. And that is what then translates into move, you know, creating that pipeline for women to move into higher level positions. So definitely the government and uh, UAE as a country is, is doing a lot to, for the cause of female empowerment. Suad Al-Sakal, perhaps I can bring you in here as yes. an Emirati woman. And, uh, you know, your, just your kind of background experience. How do you, how do you feel, I mean, how do you feel your base? A, upbringing, education, and, and B, gender has impacted your pro- progression through the ranks as a, as, a, as a PR professional. So when when I first started back um, in the day, I might sound a little bit old right now, but when I did first start in the communication industry, um, I was part of a group of six girls. Uh, the media industry was kind of a taboo. Everyone was like, what are you thinking? Why would you want to be in the media industry? What are you going to be? And it was just a big question mark. So me, are you going to be a model? This is a disgrace for your family. And all of this, this list of things that why I should not be in the media industry. Um, and I, I went into the college. I understood what becoming a communication professional is all about. And I went back home. And I told my parents what it means. And the fact that they sat down and my mom came on shoots with me to understand what it means to go and be on site at three o'clock in the morning to get the sunrise light. Just they turned around and said, you do you. Wherever you need to get, we'll be there and support you. And just don't listen to anyone. Just be yourself and be the best at what you do. And my parents made sure that I understand that if my education is in the moon, they'll support me to get there. I'll go get my education, come back home. It's fine. Um, it's it's and and the fact that the government is on that way as well to, to make us understand that you know what? No, you are supported. You will get there. Um, these positions are there for you as much as they are for men. It's it's a huge change. It's a shift in education, and, and I think it's it's very important that parents take the time to understand why this change is happening, what good women can bring into the society. There's an Arabic saying that a, man, a woman is a school. If you prepared her properly, you've prepared the future generation for good. So if you invest in women so well, you know that you've invested in the future generation. So yeah. And it's interesting when you, you know, I've been in the UAE 10 years, and when you look at, you know, a lot of the, particularly the government's comms organizations, you see they are... Uh, to, to your point about future generations, yeah. they are st- uh, staffed a lot with, you know, a generation of women who have been through the comms program at Zayed University or at AUS or at AUD, uh, and you've got a you've got a whole cadre of, you know, very you know highly talented, you know, experienced professional female yeah. uh, communicators, of which obviously you're you're one of those, and that's you know, so the next generation is presumably looking you know even better i don't know what the state of the industry is like in in terms of education these days when it comes to communication the one thing that i don't like is that um the 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 society kind of uh dubbed communication since it's a soft skill 
as a woman domain. So I've, I've been trying to hire male communication professionals and it's slim pickings. <laughs> Okay. To Emirati communication professionals, because it's a soft skill. Um, It's writing and it's being creative, and men are supposed to be engineers. Men are supposed to be, you know, like all these hardcore skills. And 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 I, I don't like that segregation. I really don't. Um, I work in a utilities company, and they asked me, like, what do you mean you're a communication professional in a utilities company? I'm like, communication is imperative to any domain you just need to know what messages you're going to be using to what audience you're going to be getting it to and using what platform and it's not easy to understand audiences and it's hard true it's a soft skill but it's a very very hard domain um but uh, i i think in the future i'm hoping that we find a little bit more equality when it comes to seeing men and women in that same domain and it's interesting if you look at mba programs typically people who've been through MBA programs, you know, often they don't come from our side of the fence. They come from the, the, the hard skills yeah. side. And what they're looking for is the soft communications. Lisa, perhaps yeah. I could bring you in. Communications a soft skill? Do you, is it soft? Uh, it doesn't feel soft <laughs> most of the time, let's be honest. Um, but I think, so to your point, we do see certainly in the industry here um, and also in the UK where I started my career, predominantly it's females in, in PR and communications. And I think... Um, it would it would be great to actually see it be the other way around. It would be great to see a little bit more of a gender balance there, um, because it's to me it's it's not about gender at all. It's just about whoever the best person for the job is, whoever brings that qualification, that passion, that enthusiasm, and that hunger. Um, that matters much more than anything else. And what what proportion of H and K strategies in the region is male versus female? How does that balance work out in the agency? Yeah, so good question. So across the Middle East and North Africa, um, it's fifty percent women in leadership. Um, so it, that's probably a little bit heavier in terms of females in the organization as a whole across the region. Um, but I think for me, it's something we're really proud of um, that we do have such a skew towards um, a balanced kind of agenda uh, leadership team, which is great. Suad, what's, what's your, uh, what's your uh, leadership profile like in terms of gender ratios? Why would you do that to me right now? Um, <laughs> so on, on the board of chiefs and VPs out of 21, I'm the only female. Okay. So I'm the only female in the executive director role. Work to do there. Perhaps Jaya, <laughs> sorry, Jaya, perhaps I, perhaps I could bring you there. You're in an organization. What, what value does gender parity have? Why is it important? Um, well, it is a, a, a demographic imperative. It's a business imperative. It's a, it's a social justice imperative. It is, uh, uh, you know, if, if 50% of the population is kept out of important decisions uh, that are going to impact them, uh, then they should be involved in those decisions. And there is, of course, mixed evidence regarding uh, women when they're part of boards, for example. Uh, the, the, you know, the ROI of a company uh, increases. Uh, women who have been part of boards of organizations, uh, there are less scandals related to governance. Uh, and uh, the entire, uh, uh, you know, the the diversity, the mix, again, diversity is, uh, you know, we should be careful because diversity is just the numbers. It is inclusion that brings in the kind of conversations that is necessary uh, to come up with uh, uh, decisions uh, that are uh, uh, an outcome of a whole brain thinking. Uh, and I, I would like to go a little bit back to what Suad and Lisa were saying about communication uh, being, you know, uh, 
traditionally a female domain. Now, when we look at gender, gender is a social construct. A child is born free. Uh, a child does not know whether he or she can be a good communicator or a better engineer. But as we start getting socialized in certain messages that because you're a girl, you can do this, and because you're a boy, you should not do this, then slowly we start getting indoctrinated with that message. And that's what then translates to the decisions that we make and also the way we see others uh, who come in to join our professions. Um, uh, so uh, there is, of course, a bottom-up kind of a shift that is required in the kind of language that we use with children. Uh, I would definitely think schools and the teachers in schools have a very important role to play in whether they are giving both boys and girls equal uh, opportunities to explore, rough it up, for example. Uh, and uh, these are important because, uh, you know, when we reach organizations, uh, that is just an outcome of all the experiences that one has gone through. So there is a collective responsibility that society must take to bring about that uh, change in mindset. Well, I'm delighted that uh, more women in boards... Um is uh, is going to keep uh, people out of trouble because we've got as Mepra we've now got a f- heavily majority female board and uh, that means I'm not going to get into trouble so so that's probably that's probably good perhaps we could um, perhaps we could bring it back to the uh, perhaps we could bring it back to the uh, PPR industry and just in terms of in terms of in terms of kind of advice to give to people setting out because obviously we've got a lot of we've got a lot of members who are uh, you know youngsters starting their careers now what what advice do you have to give to these days to a woman who is starting out in PR I'll start <laughs> um, be bold um, know what you want to stand for um, we talk quite a lot at H&K around brand you, um, which is, you know, if you were to leave a room, what are the three things you want the people in the room to talk about, to say about you? Um, and it would definitely be around being bold, being professional. Um, it is about remaining and keeping professional um, throughout all experiences, even if you do feel um, that you are then sometimes in situations where it might be a little bit more skewed to a guy. Um, it's about remembering who you are and just having your personality and character and really just sticking to that. Um, but I think that grit as well. Um, sorry, I think I've gone to four things now, but I think having that that grit and that determination, I think really means that people can stand out and achieve great things. Do you, do you think do you think that we we are maximizing the talent that we have available in in terms of female uh, participants in the PR industry these days? Um, I think that's a tough question I th- because are we maximizing it? I think we can always do more. We can always achieve more. We can always create situations where people feel that they can contribute more. Um, it's whether it's whether females feel like that, it's whether women feel that they're in environments where they can reach their true potential. So I think it depends on the situation, but I think it's our responsibility as leaders and as MEPRA to create environments where people feel that, and women specifically feel um, that they can live their true potential. I mean, Lisa, if we could just get a little bit granular here. I mean, when you're, when you're approaching a campaign, you're approaching a new client organization, I mean, how, how do you go about uh, getting a, does it matter even if you get gender parity in the, the team that's thinking through the ideas, in the team that's presenting to the client, in the final account team, d- does that matter? I think that's a really interesting way of thinking about it. And I think we don't see that. We don't think about 
is it do we have the right number of men and women in the room I think for us it's who has the right experience the right skills the right chemistry with the client that we're going in to meet um, who represents well the end consumer or the target audience of the potential clients um, service or product and I think that for us is a much bigger um, I guess issue and something that we think about far more than we, do we have the right number of men and women um, in the room but I think it's interesting because I think now it's going to make me think about it um, because it's just something that we haven't come across before. But presumably I mean if you're pitching for an FMCG client we know right that that women are often the the drivers of purchasing in in, in that sector I mean does does that matter can a man think like a woman in creating a campaign I mean I think if we're going in to talk to a brand that wants to sell predominantly some others it would be silly of us not to have a mum or two in the room that can really then um, share some kind of personal insights um, or give some preferences and you know kind of direct the conversation um, so I do think there are times when it really does warrant itself to have a certain person or character in the room um but i think you know for us it's it definitely is about skills and for me it's about skills and capabilities than gender perhaps i could bring suad in here i mean obviously let's move away from fmcg to the the hard face of uh, of the utilities industry i mean if if i mean do, how does how does your kind of gender composition work if you say to go into a pitch meeting a government meeting a new client meeting i mean so when when it comes when it comes to going to a government entity regardless of what utilities it, it's it's pretty common that um an emirati man is more comfortable speaking to another emirati man so it's they 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 don't feel like they have to be a certain way they don't feel like they have to behave in a certain way uh, because they do respect women a lot and i think that plays a huge role in them feeling relaxed or or just having a proper very nonchalant business kind of conversation um and so that's why when I, for example i wouldn't go to a sales pitch in a government entity because I would make him feel uncomfortable, but I would go and train his team on what I'm good at because I'm the expert, but I won't sell anything to him. If that makes sense. So you're definitely matching the team composition to the ultimate needs of the audience. Right. And I'm Jaya. I mean, a thought from you, I mean, is there, is there any, is there any research to back up how these, how these kind of dynamics work in terms of idea generation or presentations to uh, to to organisations, or is that a question too far? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, uh, there is. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, you know, when we look at an FMCG, when we look at global organisations, the kind of uh, clientele is changing, the consumers are changing, and uh, if the products that are being sold are not representative of the specific interests and needs of the consumers, uh, uh, then uh, of course uh, that is going to impact the business, which essentially means that the level of idea generation at the level of idea implementation implementation, you have to bring in, uh, you know, the, the the composition should reflect the composition that you're catering to at the end of the day. Uh, and while we talk about composition, I would not only restrict it to gender, but it would also be, uh, uh, you know, uh, diversity of, uh, of uh, competencies, diversity of, uh, of talent, the way you uh, uh, approach, uh, you know, uh, a certain problem would require a diversity of experience uh, as well, um, right? So, um, uh, yes, 
yes, I, I would definitely think that uh, it is important to be conscious uh, in in the in the kind of composition that we create when we are talking about products. Uh, it is definitely something that leads to more innovative products. I mean, Suad, if you if you if you were to go to your your kind of leadership colleagues and say, you know, I think we need, you know, we need we need more than just me here flying the flag what what do you think what do you think they would say is that is that a is the idea of increasing female participation your leadership team an idea that would be easily accepted so when it comes to empowering women in tabrid in specific um they're very pro-women in leadership so it's all about um, it's all about uh, uh, development and uh, giving women the the skills and tools to to kind of like get higher and step a little bit from the middle management into executive management um, because it is a, it's a very niche utilities industry. It is hard to find women in other departments that make Tabrid the company it is. Um, but this is where. For example, something that we did uh, initiative with and we had the support of, of management is to create um, a program with universities to go speak to students, to explain to them the industry and explain to them what the company does and to tell them what should they study to be the future leaders of this industry. And kind of, exp- because sometimes a woman might not go and study something about district cooling in specific because she's afraid of what it is. She doesn't understand it. So we're taking from our side to go to universities, to go to schools, to explain to them what we do and tell them that you can be a finance professional in the utilities industry. You can be an engineer. You can be a communication person. You can be whoever you want to be to help whatever company you're working at. Um, As we said at the beginning is that since the government as a whole has changed its perspective of where women are supposed to sit um, in, in, um, in leadership, all the companies are doing that because they feel that if they don't align, that they're not you know, serving the cause, which is right now it is the cause to, to kind of like push women out there, make them lead. Um, at the end of the day, we're here to complete each other. So when you work with a man, you'll know how he thinks and verse, ver, uh, vice versa. Uh, Jaya, we, we spoke before before starting today, and you you were talking about uh, the kind of the kind of number of uh, women that starts making a difference when they start getting representation. You know, and obviously the UAE has uh, has brought in, I think it was a couple of years ago, a requirement for twenty percent of the boards of listed companies to have, I think it's yeah, twenty percent re- female representation. What, what what where's where's the tipping point? Where does it start to make a difference to a kind of a balanced board in terms of performance? That's that's a very very important question because uh, uh, it is not about the numbers again. It is whether there is a critical mass in the board or not and. Uh, 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 the twenty percent is a, is a great start. Uh, France recently has reached forty percent of women on board, uh, and uh, uh, as per the research, uh, you need at least three numbers, uh, three uh, three women uh, uh, in a board for the voices to start mattering. Uh, uh, but as I said before, uh, it's not the number; it is the kind of context that you're creating within the boardrooms. Uh, are those uh, divergent voices being heard? Uh, again, uh, we must also understand that board is also a symbol. It is not a catalyst for change. 
we have to look at whether there is a pipeline of women who are qualified, who are competent, and whether there has been enough uh, capacity development, you know, right from the beginning, whether you've had inclusive talent management strategies within the organizations, such that there is a pool of qualified women then to move into the board. So board is just, you know, it's, it's, it's just something that is, is demonstrating to the world that we're there, but there is a lot that goes on before the board in order for more and more women to start reaching those positions. And there is, of course, a responsibility for uh, women to, uh, for, for organizations to provide opportunities for women to develop their social capital. Because even in my own research, I found that it is not what you know that matters, it is who knows what you know that matters. And uh, that is extremely important. And uh, women by themselves sometimes might be reticent or might not have the opportunity to start, you know, looking at what those networks are in particular industries. And it is imperative that organizations start having those conversations and providing that exposure to women. Yeah, it's an int- it's an interesting point, and I saw you were you were nodding there with the it's it's about who knows what you know, Suad. I mean, what what do you what are your thoughts? Um, it, it's actually it, it's an article that I wrote, and it's about how you are known, how how to create your reputation. It's um, it, what kind of information that you need to spread in your industry about your talent that you need people to talk about. So let's, I'm a public speaker. I love public speaking. I've done a couple in my life. And it's the number one thing that I talk to people about whenever I am in a company. So when they talk about public speaking, the first person that comes into their head is me. So it's, it's, it's literally just kind of like spreading, you know, your, your little talents and, and just like uh, to be the center of conversation. Um, and it's important. And, and I've, I've noticed that a lot of female friends of mine that are mid-management still not being able to break that like barrier into executive management is because they don't have the confidence to say, I know what I'm doing or this is what I'm good at. And and when a woman says that, sometimes it's taken as a, that she's, you know, she's so full of herself. But I'm, I'm telling you, it's okay because you've worked so hard to know that talent and to be an expert in what you do. People need to know that you're good. Um, and it's not wrong for you to, to show off your talents. It's not a big deal. There's a very fine line, definitely. But this is exactly, exactly what I do every single day. Too many women are too modest. Is that right? Yes. And again, it has a lot to do with the conditioning where women have not, uh, uh, women are always expected to, to be in the shadows. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, the, if we see the, the societal discourse, uh, uh, the political discourse, uh, the discourse in social media, uh, things are beginning to change. And it is heartening to see more and more women being less apologetic about uh, owning up to what they have done and uh, their capacities, their competencies. And yes, I agree with Suha that there is a thin line. Uh, it is, uh, you know, we, we often say that uh, leadership, uh, when, we co- when it comes to leadership, the way out is the way in. So we also have to be reflective. Uh, look at uh, uh, this this uh, authenticity in leadership is something that we talk about quite a lot. But how do you develop authenticity? I mean, that is also an evolving kind of, uh, you know, construct. It is not static. And authenticity uh, is uh, really about uh, introspecting, but at the same time taking risks, experimenting. Uh, and that combination uh, will enable women to understand what is it that they would uh, want to stand for, what is it that they aspire for, and develop the competencies and seek those opportunities. So there is a, uh, you know, a certain amount of ownership and agency also that is involved in this process of developing and uh, you know, nurturing one's own authenticity, because that's what really 
leads you to leadership roles and leadership positions. Yes, yeah, so on. Um, there's, we had a discussion a while back, and there's a difference between um, how men and women interview. So when you speak to a woman, I don't know if you would agree with me or not, but when, so when you speak to a woman about why she, about her job and what she does, she talks about her, her JD or job description as things that she's supposed to do and not exceptional things that she did. Um, women tend to, oh, this is my job. It's fine. I did it. So it's not something extraordinary. She doesn't brag that, oh, I've done three campaigns. No, but it says in my JD, I'm supposed to be doing three campaigns. So she doesn't brag about them. And this is something that I think women need to, need to kind of like put a little bit more effort in. It's like, no, gloat a little bit. I just want to add uh, one thing to what Suad said that in, in, in one of the findings in uh, you know in one of the panel discussions a CEO uh, said that uh, when a woman enters a new job uh, she is so dedicated that she's just focused on that that job doing it the best that she can but when a man enters uh, any particular job he's looking for the next one and he's networking for the next one so there is a certain difference in the way we approach our careers as well and we might want to really look at is that what we're doing right we're not really uh, outwardly trying to project as to what we do well, I, I've, I've, yeah I'm, I'm not sure I'm looking for the next one I think I've, got, I've got enough of my hands just doing this at least just, just looking at it on the ground, I mean, and, and, a, and a, a, a word that has come up a number of times over the course of the last 20 minutes or so is the word balance. Obviously, that's, that's also the, the, the kind of moniker for this year's International Women's Day on Friday, balance for better. You know, what, 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 does, what does a gender balance consultancy look like in action? Where, what, what advantages do you have as a result of having that balance in the team? Um, I think you just get a really interesting dynamic in the room. Um, I think when you have people from different diversity, different nationalities, religion, um, different genders, everything, if you make it as diverse as possible, I think you just get creative ideas. People challenge each other in different ways. Um, And I think it's just around collaboration and you just, you can see some fantastic results. Um, We try and, and and individually, I try and surround myself with people that disagree with me because I want to be challenged. You want people to come with fresh ideas. And I think the more we can get people in a room and in an organization um, to think differently and act differently, then we as, as an agency and as individuals can, can offer a lot more to people, especially when you're, you're selling that, if you're selling things, Thinking, then um, I think that just adds a huge amount of value. Do you do you feel, Suad, that's the sort of thing you you miss out on a little bit? I appreciate you're in a completely yeah. different industry and in house, yeah, and heavily dominated by men. Yeah, um, I, I uh, the way I I think that I was brought I was brought up to think like a man, look like a lady, and think like a man. <laughs> so um, I uh, I do wish that it was a little bit of um, equality when it comes to females and males uh, because I really do want that side to be involved in our everyday day-to-day work um, it's extremely it's extremely male dominant and and I, I do miss that to be very honest I really do because um, I was I come from a family that is pro co-education and pro coexisting in the workforce um, and I was always raised that Everyone has a voice. Everyone has a perspective. You need to, you know, you need to accept all of that. You need to learn from every, all these. And how can you do that if you're only working with one gender? It's just one type of personality. Even even horoscopes has a horoscope for men and a horoscope for females because they're so different. So um, working with male dominance is, is kind of um, women, please. <laughs> 
<laughs> let's get all on board and, and get into those, um, you know, dry domains, I guess. What I mean, what how how what would you say to men? How how can they contribute to to improve gender parity? Um, I would I would definitely say is taking women more seriously. Being a woman sometimes is kind of misunderstood as being a little bit more emotional. Sometimes, um, don't be threatened by a woman who is gunning for the same job um if she's better she's better uh treat her as an equal like honestly just treat her as another human being with her own sets of skills with her own sets of ideas with her own sets of anything don't look at her as a gender that's how can that's the way you can empower a woman by not like i'm the only woman as i said in the entire executive management and i feel like i'm babied because I'm the youngest and I'm the woman. So they take care of me. I thank you so much. But no, look at me as an equal. And, and that's how you will empower me. So yeah, that's what I say for men. And, and Jai, what would, you, what would you say? I mean, is, you know, is gender equality a, a concern for men? I mean, what, what should they be? How should they be thinking? Of course, it should be a concern for men. <laughs> it is a collective uh, fight. And uh, and uh, I would also say that men uh, uh, should not be acting as uh, champions because then there is a certain othering of the issue, uh, but more as collaborators. Uh, and, and that would mean uh, taking ownership of the problem. And uh, uh, again, looking, uh, men also have a responsibility to, to look at their own uh, behaviors to see whether they are inclusive, because inclusivity is something that, uh, that is at the heart of gender parity. And what we are saying is that uh, let us try and create opportunities which are equal. Let us try and create p- pipelines and, and, you know, uh, uh, the kind of uh, uh, whether in an organization starting right from recruitment to career development to career progression to identifying the, uh, you know, the, the, the exemplars uh, to, provide, uh, to providing them with the kind of strategic opportunities that is necessary to move into higher level roles. Uh, organizations have a responsibility to start looking at, uh, you know, uh, are we really getting it right and the numbers are important as well measuring for numbers what gets measured gets done therefore the numbers become important making people accountable for uh, diversity and inclusion within organizations that becomes very important because then that becomes a collective fight the moment we say that you know it's like on on international women's day or or any uh, there would be a lot of celebrations but then uh, that's that's just that's just a way of showcasing all that has happened and all that has achieved but the real fight is on a day-to-day basis are we engaging in behaviors which is leading to normalizing men and women working together and as of now that normalizing we have not reached there yet as is evident from you know even the uh, all the figures that come through and uh, what can men do well uh, uh, important to become more informed about what uh, gender inequity might mean informed about what are the kind of behaviors that might be perceived as being inequitable within workplaces that's extremely important uh, and then, uh, you know, and once you inform that awareness does lead to change in some ways. Uh, and as I said before, uh, uh, it's not an us versus them fight. It is a collective kind of a fight where we have to start taking ownership that this change has to be brought by us together because that's the only way we can really have the kind of whole brain thinking that is necessary for solving the complex problems that we are faced with today. 
and and again just one point is that masculinity and femini- femininity are not two ends of the spectrum i think we must also start consciously challenging our own uh, you know uh, uh, conceptualizations of the gender binaries the pink and blue binaries that we are brought up in uh, men and women are equally capable of masculine and feminine uh, uh, qualities and we must nurture that we must re- you know that uh, particularly in transformational leadership positions i mean today when we look at complex organizations they need to have transformational leaders and transformational leaders is all about femininity and masculinity combined together in in in, in, in you know important ways yeah it's certainly true that the, the the some of the management challenges that you have in the in the region and globally in involve involve much more nuanced uh, decision making and thinking than perhaps we had you know a hundred years ago certainly i mean speaking as a man certainly i can see that there's a there's a there's a you know often a need to acknowledge and speaking as a a, a middle-aged uh, western male i can certainly uh, acknowledge that we come from quite a privileged kind of uh, demographic and and certainly so a, a, an acknowledgement of that is certainly important and i think it's very important for men to 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 stand up for the the equal treatment uh, of of both men and women in the workplace but particularly women and it's often i mean i i come from a historically from a tennis playing background so it's always interesting when i look at people like andy murray who are who i think is a terrific example of you know a you know he was not number one in the world at the time but he was you know he was a wimbledon champion employed a female tennis coach and has always championed uh, women's rights and there was a great there was a great moment where he was interviewed at wimbledon and he was asked about about why why um, a U.S. you know what about a U.S. man not winning Wimbledon or a U.S. tennis player not winning Wimbledon and he and he he pointed out of course U.S. female tennis players have won a lot of Wimbledons in recent times so you know he's a, he's always a a good and interesting role model to think of I think I mean just in terms of in terms of um, I mean in terms of kind of developing. Uh, Lisa, I come back to you because you bring the agency perspective again, but developing those teams and thinking through when you are hiring for success, what are you, how, how, how are you thinking through whether gender is important? And obviously you, you've mentioned, you know, other, you know, gender, race, ethnic background, you know, technical skills, you know, they all come through. How, how do you, how well do you think you guys do at, at kind of hiring for future success there? been in the region for 13 years um, and my first experience agency side in a client meeting um, I wasn't addressed because I was a woman um, so I spent a long hour and a half quietly in a room um, and I'm delighted that that's changed over over that period of time but I think for us for our hiring strategy it really is the best person for the job um, we hire focused very much on our purpose. Um, we have an internal purpose that we talk about being smart and imaginative people and that are obsessed with the, the work that we do in an ever-changing PR industry. Um, and for us, it's about people that are passionate and can think um, and are collaborative. We look less even at qualifications. Um, 
We've hired football professionals, journalists. So we, we've, we're looking even outside of the kind of... Female the, football professionals. <laughs> female football <laughs> professionals. So we look outside of even the core kind of comms group now, which I think is really interesting from a skills perspective. But for us, it's really just about people that are hungry and want an opportunity um, and they want to learn and they want to grow and they're just obsessed with the work that, that um, we do and that they can do. And I think that brings so much more to us as an agency as a team but then also to our clients and our clients see it when we walk into meetings and we walk into pitches um, and that for us is far more important um, than anything related to gender yeah okay and and suad i think uh, i think i share with you the uh where you mentioned earlier the uh the uh the difficulty of recruiting male yeah. uh communications professionals it's not yeah. it's not always that easy actually it's we're quite we're quite fortunate in this region that we have actually quite a lot of uh female communicators but actually sometimes not not quite so many male ones it is it is it is very hard to find um, men communication professionals or male men male communication professionals <laughs> <laughs> in the field um again it, it just goes back to the upbringing goes back to as you were talking about about like you know the the pink and blue perspective and and um, what are they support what are what were they raised up to 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 want to be um, I, I I was such a tomboy when I was a kid my my, my dad used to he, he tried his very best to give me Barbie dolls and and Barbie houses and for <laughs> hope of me staying at home and to play with my to, to play with all of that but i found my passion in playing football with you know the, the, my brothers outside in the street and my dad did not blink to tell me no you're not allowed to you're supposed to sit at home um he just put that in the room and he's like fine just do whatever you need to do um and 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 i think that was very important to build the character that i am in today um and it's it's very important. The household is extremely important. I mean, it's true. School is important. Education is important. But the, the mentality of the mother, the father, the brother, the sister is extremely important to build that character that, yes, you can do whatever that other gender can. And I'm not saying men or women. I'm saying just saying the other gender. Whatever they could do, you could do it. And, and, and Jai, I mean, can we... Uh, in your kind of research i mean is there is there an organization or a set of circumstances you can point to that you look at and you think this is a blueprint for success this is what this is what great looks like in an organization in terms of in terms of the gender setup there are uh, uh, definitely good practices that one can see across the world in corporates uh, I was interviewing uh, uh, Philips, for example, which has got a 50-50 spread. There are many multinationals now which are increasingly conscious about the kind of uh, policies and practices that uh, they are uh, uh, that are focused on uh, diversity and inclusion. Um, strategic positions are being created for uh, diversity and inclusion heads because when we that that demonstrates a certain seriousness of uh, uh, you know of, of uh, increasing diversity within an organization. Um, uh, but at the same time, we must understand that uh, uh, diversity and inclusion is more about a cultural shift, and therefore it's both uh, uh, bottom up and top down. There must be uh, you know clear directions and measurables from the top, but at the same time, uh, it cannot be achieved uh, without active uh, and involved engagement of people at every level of the organizational hierarchy. So uh, uh, as far as the good examples are concerned, 
today we see more and more corporates becoming more conscious about their responsibilities towards becoming more inclusive and diverse uh, because they are being called out on uh, uh, you know on instances when they're not doing this and uh, also for attracting the right talent uh, uh, for example when you know we are sitting across the table and we would be attracted to organizations that are inclusive in their hiring practices they are that are inclusive in the way they are providing opportunities to uh, based on talent and based on uh, equity considerations uh, so if uh, uh, and and that's why i said a little earlier that uh, uh, diversity and inclusion is a, is a is a strategic imperative uh, uh, and uh, besides being a demographic imperative for businesses to see the business results they need to have a diverse workforce and more and more organizations including uh, public listed companies and multinationals are increasingly becoming more focused on having practices that support and foster that um okay i mean last last questions for you and we fr- this friday march 8th is uh, this year's international women's day i mean lisa what's what is a what's what what's an appropriate way for us to um celebrate it this year um, I think it's about supporting each other and being collaborative and being excited about the things that women and collectively everyone has achieved. Um, but I think it's about marking, you know, we've been celebrating this year for I think around 114 years now, which is phenomenal when you think about how much we still have left to do. So I think it is an opportunity to take a step back and see how collectively we can come together to really make sure that we have much more impact and a lot quicker. So, Ad, what are you going to be doing celebrating Friday? Party? Um, no. What I'm <laughs> going to be doing? Um, it, it's it's. I I don't think that we should only celebrate one day. It's um, we, we've we've kind of like spoke about it a little bit. It, it's a way of life. And it's um, trying your very best to kind of educate people around you. Um, I, I, I just want to spread the word or, or the idea. We're not here to compete. We're here to complete. So once we kind of start living that way, it'll become normal. And it won't be that I'm waiting for me to celebrate my woman's right on my International Women's Day. I'm celebrating my woman's right every single day. So, yeah. Jaya, any thoughts for us ahead um, of Friday? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the the theme for uh, this year for International Women's Day is balance for better. And uh, one of the positive, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, symbols of that is uh, the world is changing. The world is expecting more. Uh, The world is focused more and more on balance and sustainability. What will I do? Well, uh, uh, it is it is it is not a single day, but yes, days a particular day is important because that day is for reflection. Uh, it is uh, for uh, uh, setting goals for the future. It is for celebrating the political, the social, the economic achievements of women. It is to uh, to uh, to identify uh, how can we continue to foster agency in the people around us. How can we continue to create awareness? Uh, converting that awareness into desire is is even is, is more important. And that can only happen through taking a, a collaborative approach uh, uh, to addressing uh, the issues related to gender parity. Uh, um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll just celebrate it with everybody around me. And uh, we've come a long way, but we still are. Uh, we still have to go a long way if we are to reach uh, gender parity in its entirety. And we must. Everybody has a responsibility towards that. Some, some work still to do. Well, I for, I for my part will be... Uh, 
counting my blessings and considering myself very fortunate to have uh, an accomplished mother, an accomplished wife, uh, a very accomplished and empowered daughter and a bunch of great female colleagues. Uh, Lisa, Suad, Jaya, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today at the brief brought to you by Mepra in association with Marketeers. A couple of things to your diary. We've got the Leadership Magulus on the 2nd of May in Abu Dhabi. And next podcast next month, we're going to be providing a sneak preview of some of the topics we're going to be discussing there. Also, if you're not a member yet, you should be. And if you want to find out more, do get in touch. Email us at community or log on to the website at www.mepra.org. <laughs>